Ezra chapter 4 and verse 1. And while you're turning there, I'm going to read Ezra chapter 3. Verse 1, and when the seventh month was come and the children of Israel were in the cities, the people gathered themselves together as one man to Jerusalem. Then stood up Joshua, the son of Jozadak, and his brethren, the priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and his brethren, and builded the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings thereon, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Verse 3 says, And they set the altar upon his basis, for fear was upon them because of the people of those countries, and they offered burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord, even burnt offerings morning and evening. They kept also the Feast of the Tabernacles, as it is written, and offered the daily burnt Offerings by number according to the custom as duty of every day required. Ezra 4 and verse 1. Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, then they came to Zerubbabel. What a fun name. And to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, Let us build with you. For we seek your God as ye do, and we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Esar Hadon, king of Asher, which brought us up hither. But Zerubbabel and Joshua and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, You have nothing to do with us to build in a house unto our God. But we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, hath commanded us. Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building, hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. I'm going to preach with the help of the Holy Ghost this morning. If you can't, beat them. If you can't, beat them. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Jesus I love you. God, I thank you for every single person who is here today under the sound of my voice. God, I pray that your hand would not be slack concerning your promises. I pray that your word would not return void. God, I pray that your miracle-working power would be evident in this place today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You can be seated. We find in the book of Ezra an account of a group of Israelites who have made a trek. They have made a journey from the land of their captivity 
back into the land of Israel. Back into the city of Jerusalem. They have gone under the blessing of one Cyrus who had given them his blessing. He was the king of Persia. He had told them, he had given them permission, go and rebuild the city of Jerusalem. The the prophets had said, you're going to go into captivity, but it's going to last for a total of 70 years. And so some believe that, some scholars believe that when they returned to the land of Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, that 70 years stopped. Others believe that it didn't stop until they were all out of captivity. Regardless of what had happened, they, many of them had never seen the city of Jerusalem. They had been born in captivity. They had never seen the glory of the temple of Solomon. They had never seen the beautiful houses of David. They had never been partakers of the time of peace. They had never even set eyes on the city of Jerusalem itself at all. All they had known was captivity. All they had known was oppression. All they had known was, I'm a stranger in a foreign land. But we find that there is a group, and you can read Ezra's first and second chapters, and you can do the calculations yourself, but the children of, the children of, the children of, the children of, is, is a lot of what Ezra 1 and 2 contain. It's a record of all those that came out and came into the city of Jerusalem. But there is this group that has been put together, and Ezra is leading them back, and he is, uh, or he's recording their, their trek, as it were. Zerubbabel is leading the effort, and they are there in the city of Jerusalem. And they are doing their best to fulfill the word of God. They are doing their best to fulfill the plan of God. God, we don't believe that you, you called us to, to live in captivity. We don't believe that you called us to live in oppression. Somebody needs to get a hold of that revelation today. God, I don't believe that you called us to live under bondage. I don't believe that you called us to be strangers in a, in a foreign land. But God, we believe that you've given us a place. We believe that you've given us a promise. We believe that you've called us to be separate. We believe that you've called us to be different. And God, we believe that you've called us to be blessed so that we can be a blessing. We believe, God, that you have called us to change the world. We don't believe that, that we're just here in our own little bubble and everything that we do is just for us and nobody else. But God, we believe that what we do right here and what we're doing now is, is stretching out beyond where we are and that God, there are going to be times when we will venture out from where we are so that we can be partakers of a greater kingdom than just an earthly kingdom. Let me tell you something. The, the world does not have a purpose for your life like the kingdom of God has. We 
we were all born into sin. We were all shaping in iniquity, the Bible says. That means when we were born into the world, we all came in in the same condition. We all came in in the same condition. And that condition was, I need redeem. I need salvation. I need a change. That's why uh, I was... I was born a sinner. That's why I have to be born again. So when I'm born again, then I'm also born just like you're born. And you're born just like I'm born. Our natural birth birthed us into sin and condemnation. The wages of sin is death. But when I was born again, I was given the opportunity to become something bigger, something better, something more profound than my original birth had planned for me. I hope by the end of this service today that you believe that. Well, I'm just going to keep doing the same things that I've been doing. I'm just going to keep living the same things. You are far selling yourself too short. Far too short. The old adage is, well, if I can't beat them, I join them. If I can't beat sin, I'll just join sin. No! If I can't, I don't know if I can live for God. I would, I would challenge you, you don't know that you can't. I don't know if I can do all this. Then you don't know if you can't do it either. So why don't you give it a try? And why don't you let God? Why don't you let God take up the slack? These people that Ezra is with, they said, you know what? We're, we're tired of just living here inside the boundaries of the box that the kings of Persia and the king of Babylon and the, the Medes and the Persians have put us in. Notice with me that in, in this land where they are held captive, it's not a land that is shabby. It's not a land where they're full of shanties and shacks and there's a, a, a lack of food or a lack of water or a lack of substance. It's not that type of land. It's a land where there are hanging gardens. It's a land that is far ahead of its time in engineering and architecture. There are aqueducts and, and, and many beautiful palaces and houses and, and, and the culture is, according to the world standards, teeming with all kinds of opportunities. But yet there is in the heart of the child of God a desire for more. There is beating in the bosom of these men and women a desire that says, you know what? The hanging gardens are nice. This is a beautiful place, but it's just not quite living up to my standards. 
The child of God has a heartbeat that says you can take everything the world has and measure it up to the kingdom of God and it will never measure up to what I can experience. You cannot convince me that the world can compare to the things of God. You cannot convince me that the world can measure up because it cannot measure up. The New Testament writer said we are going to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You can't buy your way into that. You can't sell your way into that. You cannot barge your way into that. There's something about the child of God that in spite of everything the world has to offer, even though they had never seen the city of Jerusalem, even though they had never seen the glory of God fall on the temple in a, in a manner that was so strong that they couldn't even stand. They hadn't seen it. There's a drawing. There's a pulling. There's a, a calling. It's, it's hitting the hearts of the children of God. And they say, if, if that's really real, it's worth me leaving this place of comfort. It's worth leaving my comfortable neighborhood. It's worth leaving my position in society. It's worth my going beyond my comfort zone. It's worth me selling out everything that I have to wander back into a place like, like Abraham was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. He's saying, I, I know that there's a promised land out there and I want to get there and I'm determined to do so to the point that it's worth everything. That I am. So they start this journey by. They start their settlement. Their rebuilding of Jerusalem. First thing they rebuild. Is the altar. Before they ever build the walls before they ever start rebuilding the temple, they rebuild the altar. Because they understand. Now there are, there are some among them that had seen Solomon's temple. You can read about that in the following chapters. They understand that if we are going to do this, then we must have the hand of Almighty God. We must have the power and the pleasure of God on our side. We must be pleasing to God in everything that we are doing. And in order for us to do that, it's going to first take rebuilding this altar. They build the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings thereon as it is written in the law of Moses 
the man of God. And they set the altar upon his bases. And they put the altar there. And they begin immediately sacrificing every day in the morning and in the evening. They begin keeping the, the, the feasts as they, as they march forward in their journey to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And I found it interesting to, to note that they put the altar upon his bases for fear was upon them because of the people of those countries and they said you know what we need God to move and we need God to move now we cannot afford to just sit here and go about our business we cannot afford to just to just start working and not build the altar but because I understand that this is a plan of God that God wants to rebuild the house of God he wants us to rebuild the city of David the city of Jerusalem we need God to move we need God to work with us let me preach to somebody today if you're going through a problem if you're going through a circumstance the best thing that you can do is rekindle the fire of prayer upon your altar the first and most important step for you to take is the act of repentance God I'm, I'm sacrificing my own will I'm sacrificing my own plan God I need you to move and I need you to move now God there's enemies out there and they want to have my head they want to stop what you're doing in my life. But God, I'm placing myself in your hand again. And by doing so, I am trusting that you know best. I'm trusting, God, that you're going to work. So the altar is built. Verse 8 of chapter 3 says, In the second year of their coming unto the house of God at Jerusalem, in the second month, Zerubbabel, Joshua, the rest of their brethren, the priests, the Levites, all that were come out of the captivity unto Jerusalem, 20 years old and upward, they were commissioned to set forward the work of the house of the Lord. Then they began to lay the foundation of the temple of the Lord in verse 10. They set the priests in their apparel with the trumpets, the Levites, the sons of Asaph with cymbals to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. They are there and they're laying the foundation of the house of the Lord. And they, they go over to those Levites and they go over to those men who were the sons of Asaph. And that was Asaph that David had put in, in charge of praise and in charge of worship. And he was, he was charged to write music. He was charged to train musicians. And, and so they go over and they gather this group of men and they say, hey, get your instruments. We're going to come out here. And as we lay the foundation of the house of God, we're going to lay it with praise in our hearts. We're going to lay it with praise upon our lips. When I come into the house of God, not only do I need to have an altar built, not only do I need to understand I'm putting my will on the altar, I'm putting my myself on the altar, I'm, I'm bringing myself in line with God, but I'm also going to come in with the high praises of God in my mouth. Let me preach to you this morning that there is power when you remember how to praise God. There's power. Yeah. 
Maybe you don't know. Maybe you, if you didn't grow up in this, it doesn't make sense. Why you'd come in and you see people clapping their hands and you see them lifting their hands and you see them running the aisles and shouting and, and doing all this crazy stuff because part of being in the kingdom of God is learning how to praise God. And there is power when I begin to praise God. It brings God to where I am. another message for another time there are seven words in the Bible regarding praise perhaps I'll teach about them preach about them but I've got to praise God I've got to thank God and there were standing in that crowd Men, many of the priests in verse 12, and Levites, chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes, they wept with a loud voice and many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. The people shouted with a loud shout. and The noise was heard afar off. Our praise was never designed to be quiet. I said our praise was never designed to be quiet. Our praise was never designed to, to, just, to just be a little quiet little lullaby. But our praise was designed to say, you know what? There might be some among us who are weeping, whether for joy or whether for sorrow. But I want the enemy of my soul to hear the sound of praise more than the sound of weeping. I want the enemy of my soul to understand that even when I fall, I'm getting back up. I'm going to praise God anyhow. So, all of that. Verse 4. When the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, then they came to Zerubbabel chief fathers said on them hey let us let us build with you let us build with you because listen we're seeking God too don't we all love Jesus And we do sacrifice unto him since the days of the king of Asher, which brought us up hither. Oh, so there's an earthly king that brought them up. There's an earthly king that brought them into Israel's land. But Zerubbabel is standing back with Joshua. And they're saying, listen, it, I, I know that Cyrus might have given us permission to leave Persia to come over here and do this. But we were not brought in by an earthly king. We were not brought into this place by an earthly ruler. We were brought here because thus saith 
the Lord. Abram, I'm going to give you a land of promise where your descendants are going to come and they're going to worship me and they're going to serve me and I'm going to be their God and they're going to be my people. I was not brought into the church by an earthly ruler, but I'm here today because God drew me to the truth. God drew me. God filled me with the Holy Ghost. Not here today because of family connection. You're not here today because someone invited you. You're here today because God drew you. He might have used somebody to invite you, but God drew you. And make no mistake, there are enemies of your soul that will come in different form and different fashion and will try to get you to sell yourself short and they will try that those spirits will try to get you to just settle down over here you know what why don't you just come over here with me why don't you let me come in here with you and and let me come and work with you you know we're all we're all in this together no we're not we're not all we are in this together but I, i've not come today to link arms with false religion i've not come today to link arms with false doctrine the old adage well if you can't beat them join them seems to be working in reverse in Ezra chapter 4 if I can't join them then I'm going to have to beat them Zerubbabel and Joshua and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them you don't have anything to do with us In other words, we don't have anything in common. You have no business trying to help me build the temple. He's telling them, you don't know the plan. So I'm not going to come to you for spiritual advice if you don't have truth. I'm not going to come to you for... for, uh, uh, Comfort. I'm not going to come to you and ask you for your help if you don't have the truth. And so what this did, he said, you know, we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, hath commanded us. Then the people of the land begin to weaken their hands, the people of Judah, and troubled them in the building. They hired counselors against them. One translation says they bribed officials to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, and down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. These enemies of Judah and Benjamin were descendants of pagan people. They had been brought in by the Assyrians to occupy Israel after the fall of the northern kingdom. And so now these foreigners had had migrated down from the northern kingdom down into the southern kingdom. And these foreigners had intermarried with the Jews who were left in the land. And they, they began to mingle their idol worship with the Jews' true worship 
of Jehovah. And it corrupted their walk with God. It corrupted the worship and the praise unto Jehovah. It created a mixed religion. Zerubbabel understands what's going on. And he said, you know what? I refuse to allow that false mixed religion into this place. I refuse to allow it to bring corruption into my people. He recognized that they possessed no real desire for Jehovah. But instead, they were focused on preventing the rebuilding of the temple. There are real enemies of your soul that you fight on a daily basis that might look right they might say the right things but they're saying if I can't beat them and if I can't join them then I've got to weaken them to the point where they can no longer do the work of God where they can no longer feel like going to church I, if I can't beat them and I can't join them then I've got to do something to hinder them They wanted the glory of building the house without the responsibility of being a sold out child of God. So they start writing letters. Ezra chapter 4 jumps around in time. Verse 6 it says, And in the reign of Ahasuerus, the beginning of his reign wrote they unto him an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. That didn't work because Naaman's plot failed. And Esther, being a Jew, saves her people. Ahasuerus says, okay, I'm going to neglect the letters. The days of Artaxerxes more letters. Under Artaxerxes, king of Persia, the writing of the letter was written in the Syrian tongue and interpreted in the Syrian tongue. And, and the letter went something along the lines of, Artaxerxes, I know that you're kind of late to the ball game. This is my version. I know you're kind of late to the game here, but if you were to look back in the history of these people, you'll understand that they don't bow to earthly kings. You'll understand that if you allow this work to go on, you won't have a hand in anything going on in this side of the river. Nardexerxes begins to look back. and He begins to read the history and he begins to see, well, these letters are, they hold a lot of truth that, that these people are not, they're not going to be held captive. If I, can, if I let this continue, if I continue to let them do the work that they're doing, if I continue to let them build altars, if I continue to let them build the house of God, if I continue to allow them to build the wall around the city of Jerusalem, then these people will no longer be within my control. Let me preach to you this morning. You keep doing the work of God. You keep moving forward. And hell is going to realize I will not be able to hold them back. Let me preach to you this morning. 
as I finish this message, let me preach to you. Let me encourage you that there's nothing that hell can do to stop a child of God who has made up his or her mind. I'm living for God come hell or high water. I heard Xerxes wrote a letter. People in verse 23 went up in haste to Jerusalem, of course, under the Jews. Oh man, we finally got our way. Made them to cease by force and power. Then ceased the work of the house of God which is at Jerusalem. So it ceased unto the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. It's bouncing around. It's saying it started in Ahasuerus' reign. Then in the letters started in Ahasuerus' reign, continued in Artaxerxes' reign, and then finally they got Artaxerxes to read some history and realize that these people are not like other people. They thought, well, just because they... Maybe because they... They grew up in captivity. Maybe because they, they grew up under the thumb of oppression. Maybe I can keep them in the box. But Artaxerxes begins to realize that, that it's beyond just this one generation. It's beyond just this one group of people. It's beyond Ezra and his band of marauders. It's, it's beyond Ezra and his band of Builders and Zerubbabel and Joshua and, and, and all of these Nehemiah, it's beyond all of them. It's, it's not just this one generation. It's not just this one little movement, but there's something deeper that's going on here. Folks, you and I are part of something today that's more than just one generational. It's more than just here today and gone tomorrow. But when I was born of the water and of the spirit, I was born into an ancient way. I was born into an eternal way and there's something about this that scares the world to death because the world understands the world hell understands if these people of God ever get the revelation of just how powerful they are in the kingdom then I can't beat them and I can't join them and I'll learn that I can't suppress them I'll learn that I cannot oppress them The work stopped for 15 years. Well, man, we, we got this band out here. And we got this group out here and we got these old men that remember where the temple was and, and these old men that, that remember how the, the city was built and how it was arranged. And, and so we're going to rely on their, their knowledge and their wisdom. And we got these young men who are full of strength and full of vigor and vitality. And man, they, they've got this Israelite spirit in them that says, I, I'm not going to be defeated. And, and we're going to go and we're going to conquer. And man, we're going to have revival and we're going to build and we're going to do this and, and we're going to do that. But then the enemy comes in and, and starts 
suppressing and the enemy comes in and starts supplanting and the enemy comes in and starts depressing and the enemy comes in and starts running her mouth and running his mouth and writing letters and running back and forth and being a tattletale and, and trying to do everything that they can and the work stops for 15 years. How discouraging. We thought we were going to have revival but man it's discouraging. Man we really thought that we'd be in a, a different place by now and how discouraging how frustrating I really thought that my family was going to make it but how disturbing how depressing how unrealistic were my goals God I really thought that this was going to happen and I really thought that this was going to go this way and that way and, and God I, but instead things are, are, are a lot different now than what I thought they should have been but let me preach to you today that it doesn't stop there. Ezra chapter 5 and verse 1. Then the prophets Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, the son of Ido, prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, even unto them. Those, these prophets walk in and they start speaking the word of God again. Then rose up Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josadak, and began to build the house of God, which is at Jerusalem and with them were the prophets of God helping them let me preach to you what you really need in your life is an altar what you really need in your life is a revelation of praise and worship and what you really need in your life is the unchained and unfettered word of God coming from your man of God what you really need is to hear the word of God say I believe you're going to make it I believe in you I believe God's going to a plan for your life. Let's stand. Zerubbabel, Yeshua, the same men that had started rebuilding the altar had laid the foundation and then lived in 15 years for 15 years in the city of Jerusalem that wasn't finished. Now, notice it did not come from the mouth of Artaxerxes. The, the permission slip was not signed by Ahasuerus or Darius. Or Nebuchadnezzar wasn't signed by any earthly king. But there was a man of God that walked in and said, listen to the word of God. I know the world says. I know they've told you that it can't be done. I know they told you that you can't make it. I know they told you that you shouldn't be building this. I know they told you that it was beyond the realm of possibility. I know they told, but they told you that because they wanted to contain you. They told you that. They told you you'd never make it. But God is saying you will make it. God wants you to know that this city will be built up again. God is letting you know, Zerubbabel. God is letting you know, Joshua, that God wants you you to continue the work of God at the same time 
came to them another governor Tatnai who was on the same side of the river that they were and another and their companions and they come up and they start asking them questions who told you you could be doing this who commanded you to build this house and, and to make up this wall then said we unto them after this matter what are the names of the men that make this building but the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews that they could not cause them to cease there was something that began to burn in their spirit again they said you know what we started this thing a long time ago we've been building this thing for 15 years and we didn't know how it was going to work out when they when they clamped down on us but but listen Zerubbabel listen Joshua listen Ezra we're not going to be satisfied just living in obscurity we will not be satisfied just living on the day today we're not satisfied just living here without accomplishing what God has for us but let let me preach to you today that God wants you to succeed, that God wants you to make it. God wants to fill you with His Spirit, and God wants to watch you overcome. The eye of their God was upon them, that they could not cause them to cease till the matter came to Darius. Then they returned answer by letter concerning this matter. The request, long story short, comes to Darius. Along the same lines that it had come to Artaxerxes, his predecessor. And Darius goes and he looks through the history. And he sees it. But then he goes back even further. And he goes back even further, all the way back to Cyrus, the first king of Persia that had given them the permission. And he reads it, and he starts reading it, and he's like, what's the problem here? Not only do they have permission, I should be giving them money to do it. And so not only does Darius give them permission, Darius encourages them, and Darius gives them more funds to finish the work. Let me preach to you today that I know that hell has come against your mind, and hell has come against your spirit, and hell has desired to sift you as wheat, and hell has desired to discourage you from living for God, and to discourage you. It's, hell's wanted you to back off, and hell has put you under oppression, and hell has come upon you because it can't beat you, and they can't join you, so they're trying to slow you down but God wants you to understand today God wants you to know that he's got a plan for your life he's got a purpose for your life I wonder today if you'd make your way to this altar and if you would lift up your hands and say God I want everything that you have for me I want everything I want it all I want it all I want to see it built he